Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of You Belong in the C-Suite. In my company, The Catch Group, one of our company values is celebration. And I'm so excited that we are celebrating our podcast first season. Today, we are doing our year in review for the podcast. And there is so much to celebrate. Over 40 episodes, 25 guests, over 5,000 downloads, Also personally this year, this podcast has given me the opportunity to live my value of growth. I've grown the most through this podcast this year, sharing my voice and thought leadership. Remember, I'm an introvert, so it was a bit terrifying to launch it, but it's brought me into so many spaces to meet new people, learn new content, question previous thinking. I've been growing my network and living my values of advocacy by amplifying voices of others and my value of development by bringing you actionable tools and resources. Today to celebrate, we are highlighting some of our top downloaded episodes and some of my favorite interviews. I'll share some highlights of the episode and what I loved about it. I really urge you to go back and listen to these episodes if you haven't already. They are full of actionable tips and tools to live your values and take that next right action. We are starting out with a highlight of episode number three, Using Compassion to Get Unstuck with Jay Cohn and Lisa Weaver. Jay and Lisa are co-founders of Unstuck Minds, a firm focused on helping leaders find compassion and creative solutions when they feel uncertain and overwhelmed. We talked a bit about competing commitments. I want you to dig into that conversation in this clip and don't forget to check out Jay's book, The Surprising Power of Not Knowing What to Do, available now. Um, one of the things in the book that I really wanted to dig into, Jay, is this idea about competing commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk a bit about that and how a competing commitment might keep you stuck and may not let you challenge assumptions. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. And, um, you know, this phrase competing commitment comes from uh, Keegan and Leahy's work on immunity to change, a couple of Harvard professors that have a really useful framework for helping people realize their goals 
by realizing what might be in the way of them achieving their goals. And so they use this term competing commitment to describe, you may be committed to achieving a goal, you know, like getting fit or writing a book or whatever it might be, uh, going into business for yourself. You may have this visible, you know, important goal that you genuinely want to achieve. And yet you've made attempts uh, repeatedly and not made the progress and you're confused and feeling stuck about why you have to keep revisiting this goal that you know in your heart of hearts you really do want to achieve. So it's not the the desire that's missing. It's the fact that your, uh, your desire is competing against a commitment that you have that you're not aware of. And so the process of challenging your assumptions is where you may be able to surface what else is going on for me that I'm committed to, which is actually a barrier or an obstacle to this goal. And I never realized that it was a barrier or an obstacle to, uh, to the goal. And that's also, by the way, where being kind to yourself and having compassion and having a coach or a friend who, who has compassion for you will make it easier for you to identify those competing commitments because they're often things that are self-preservation, but that we may not feel proud of when they're pointed out to us. You know, like, I, I, I know I should be doing this to be, to take care of my health, but if I were to do this thing, it competes with my self-image of being a virile, healthy, person. And uh, it turns out that my appearance of being a healthy person that doesn't need, you know, medication or doesn't need to, you know, go to therapy, that that image that I have is competing with the goal that I have of being healthy. Until someone brings that to my attention, I may never realize that it's in the way. Next. I want to highlight my conversation with Dr. Arlene Pace-Green, psychologist and author, and my good friend. In episode five, Arlene and I talked about bringing more joy into a job that you already have and the three steps to find your purpose and enjoy your life. Grab her book called You Deserve to Love Your Job. How could somebody bring more joy or a change, more of whatever that is for them into a job they already have? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with, it's a couple of things. One thing I think it starts with is figuring out what it is you really most want. It's easy sometimes to complain about what we have without forcing ourselves to do the work about what we do want. Mm -hmm. It's kind of easy to experience something and say, oh, I don't like vanilla. It's like, okay, you don't like vanilla. What do you like? So I think a lot of times um, we're just not in touch with what it is we actually like. So I think first step is you have to kind of figure out what it is you actually want. So you have some, and I know you talk about this as well. You have something to move towards, right? So you have to figure out what you want, first of all. And in the book, I talk about kind of a three-step plan, like look in, look out, look forward. Look in is that step of figuring out what it is you want. Then when you're talking about what you can do, especially in your current job, I think a lot of it starts with our mindset. So it's like I was saying, it's really easy to complain about what something is right now. But if you're spending eight to 12 hours a day doing something that you don't enjoy, then it's time to go deeper. 
and figure out why am I doing that? Um, Maybe there are certain things in that job that I value so much that I don't want to leave them. And in the book, I talk about this kind of power by motivation matrix, which is, first of all, assessing your motivation. Are you motivated to do something different or not? And wherever you are, we have some tips to kind of help you get there if you want to. Uh, But then secondly, assessing how you feel about your power. A lot of times we feel more stuck than we actually are. You know, so if you're in your current job, then it's not you can't leave most of the time. It's you're choosing not to. And just changing your mindset around. It's not, I can't leave. I'm choosing not to leave. And then start asking yourself, why am I choosing not to leave? Because we often make ourselves feel more limited and stuck than we really are. Because in your, and if you decide at the end of that, you know what, I'm choosing to stay here, then you need to choose to enjoy it. Again, you're spending eight to 12 hours there a day. Either there's something there you need and want, and you want to focus on how do I appreciate that and enjoy it? or You need to figure out what differently you need to do and take steps to move in that direction. But I think what makes people dislike their work the most is when they feel stuck. Yeah. And we tell ourselves we're stuck, but oftentimes we're not. We're just choosing to be there. This next episode highlight is with Mark Benton in episode 14, Lead on Purpose, Be an Epic Sponsor. Mark is Vice President of Talent Management and Development with McKesson Corporation. Mark and I talked about what an effective sponsor does to champion others through trust, empathy, and service. Mark breaks down the specific behaviors that great sponsors do to champion the careers of others. He also gave us an actionable worksheet to be an epic sponsor. We'll link that in the show notes for you. Grab it if you don't have it already. So what does sponsorship actually look like to actively sponsor somebody? What are the things that a sponsor is doing? That's a great question. When it comes down to what an effective sponsor is doing and they are doing it well and doing it effectively, I I come back to my model of leading on purpose, right? And leading on purpose is really about three behaviors, demonstrating trust, that you can be trusted that you care about the individual and you're willing to help them. So trust, empathy, and service. And I think that a sponsor is definitely someone who can be trusted. Uh, You can come to them at your best and at your worst, and they're gonna give you counsel and advice and steer you correctly. Uh, They're gonna give you that constructive feedback that helps you to close gaps or development. And they're actually navigating and identifying opportunities for you to shine at your best. They're demonstrating that they care. It's not about their agenda, that they're moving you forward or whatever. They genuinely are invested in your next progression, where you're trying to go and your aspiration, and they're going to help you. And so that means that sponsorship is in certain venues where there are opportunities and there's been the call for talent. We need people that can do this. We need someone that's focused on that. That sponsor will lend their voice and their credibility to the situation to say, hey, let me tell you a little bit about Laura on my team. And this will be a great opportunity for her. Here's why. And I think that sponsor is also going to be truthful to say, here's the joys, and here's the things that she's trying to develop. 
And this is why I think this will be good for her. And then they're continuing to press on that situation so that, you know, if they're believing in you and they think it's the right thing for you, then, you know, we're going to try to be successful to get, you know, you into that role. That's what a sponsor, I think, is all about. The next episode that I want to highlight is a solo one and one that is all too common and oh so real for basically all of us listening. Imposter syndrome. We have all had it. Listen to this clip from episode six, The Lies of Imposter Syndrome, to hear a personal example of how I've experienced it and what I did about it. I doubted myself. I doubted my abilities. I had a PhD for heaven's sake, but so did a lot of other people there. The imposter syndrome was thick that day for me. After many job interviews with different companies, guess which job I ended up getting? You know, that one, the one I almost didn't apply for. Fast forward 15 years later, I'd been an executive for multiple years. I was a seasoned executive coach, developing high potential talent to lead within the organization and building huge global capability programs. I was looking for my next career move and started putting out feelers externally to see what was out there. I wanted to continue to grow and develop, to lead a bigger team, and to belong to a mission-driven organization. I started looking and connecting with some trusted colleagues in my network, and I saw a position that checked all the boxes. Global organization, leading a big team, mission-driven, and it met my goals of growth, development, and achievement. I read the job description on the role and the qualifications. I didn't know much about that organization at the time, but knew someone who was interviewing with them. I did some research on their website and their social media presence where I found another job description for the same job. But this job description was much more detailed. It showcased more qualifications, qualifications that I didn't have. I wasn't a global citizen. I had global roles, but I didn't get to travel very much. I didn't have all of the qualifications. I didn't check all the boxes. And in that moment, I decided not to apply. Again, doubt, it creeps in. You question yourself. You question your qualifications. Who am I to apply to this? Another day thick with imposter syndrome. In the next several weeks, I had met my friend to catch up. She told me about the company that she ended up working for. It was the company for the job that I didn't apply to because, you know, the role was too big for me. She tells me that there's a job that she thinks that I'd be qualified for. Guess what? It's the role that I didn't apply to. I tell her right then, point blank, I'm not qualified for that job. In return, she says very easily, you can do that job, Laura. You need to apply to it. And guess what? This time I believed her. And more importantly, I believed me. I believed in my qualifications and what I brought to the table. I will tell you, having a podcast has its perks. Specifically, you get to meet some really amazing leaders doing values-driven work and have fun discussions and geek out with them. Dr. Mira Bronku is one of those people. In this clip from episode 26, Leading and Thriving Through Workplace Politics, Mira highlights the importance of emotional intelligence, systems thinking, and driving results to influence the company's outcomes and your own goals to benefit others. Grab the book that she co-authored with Jennifer Wisdom called The Millennial's Guide to Workplace Politics. 
I see politics as a combination of three things. Okay. The first thing is very high emotional intelligence. So understanding yourself and being able to understand others, knowing where you stop and where someone else starts. And so that means knowing just how much you're bringing to the table, what part is your baggage that you might be escalating something and what part is helping like for yourself to understand and have empathy and compassion for somebody else's situation and why they're doing the things that they do. So that's one component. The second component is the emotional intelligence is not enough. The second you know, piece is systems thinking. So understanding how you are within the context of a system, meaning many people, many layers, many different roles um, throughout an organization, many policies, and how they're, you know, they impact each other and how you can understand them better to navigate better. And then the last thing is understanding how to drive results. So uh, getting the outcomes that you're looking for. When you combine those three things, it could go one of two ways. If you are highly emotionally intelligent and know how to drive results and understand how to work within a system, you could do it in dirty, manipulative, conniving ways that are self-serving, or you could do it in a way that makes a huge impact and influences many more people in a way that benefits the company's outcomes and goals and mission, as well as your own professional goals. This last episode that we are highlighting is an important one. Meredith Feynman taught us how to brag better. I so love this conversation with Meredith Feynman, author of Brag Better. In this clip from episode 37, Feynman taught us about the pillars and components of a good brag. Check out the show notes to find out more about the Brag Better Bootcamp that's happening in January. What a great way to start off 2022. We'll link it in the show notes. Can you tell me what the components of a good brag are? Absolutely. So the the pillars of bragging better, first and foremost, are to be proud, loud, and strategic. Pride is is recognizing, and I think the hardest one, but you know, feeling good about your work, which I think we all do to some degree and not work on all the time. Uh, loud's not the volume of your voice, but that's the repetition and consistency of a message. Uh, and strategic is this is this is a means to an end. I talk a lot about our inverse relationship between volume and merit and that we reward loud, that there's so much noise. I don't really want you to add to any noise. I want you to get more money. I want you to get that job. I want you to get that book deal, whatever it might be. And then the fourth pillar, which started, you know, after COVID, well, we're not after, but during COVID is um, explicit, which is that nobody has time for you to like, I know this stuff is hard. I'm sorry. It's hard, but you got to get that message out because everybody is in a very different situation. So those are the pillars. And then the elements of a good brag are gratitude, pride, presentation, and showmanship. So gratitude and pride are inward. Um, They're practices. They are when you are structuring something you want to share, great sentiments to espouse that make people feel close to you, but aren't as isolating. And it's just good to espouse that in general. 
And then presentation is, you know, what medium are you sharing this on? Is it with a person? Is this on Instagram? And, and so how are you going to present it in a way that people can digest it and it is conducive to what you're trying to do, but also to the medium. And then showmanship is your unique flair. I'm not trying to create a bunch of robots here. That's not the point. You know, this stuff is tricky because it is, you know, as we call soft skill and something that is a lot of gray area, which I've tried to like remove as much gray area as possible. But, you know, what makes it you is, is not something I want lost in that process. I want to thank you so much for celebrating with us in this episode, our podcast year in review. I cannot thank you enough for listening, learning, engaging, and taking action with me this year. Next week, we'll let you know what's in store for season two of our podcast, which will air in January 2022. We're going to take a bit of a break over the holiday season to celebrate, rest, and recharge. I hope that you are able to do the same. Remember, your leadership belongs here. You belong in the C-suite. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.